Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You may not always like his opinion, but you can bet he'll have one. Welcome to The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. So I have to ask myself, how is it that um, how is it that Donald Trump would say that there was a uh, a terror attack in Sweden on uh, on Friday night? I just, I mean, people must talk to the U.S. president, and somebody somehow told him there was a terrorist attack, and no, nobody. How does that happen? I'm just curious. We have a lot to talk about today on the program. Uh, in our third hour, we're going to be speaking with the founder of the GrabYourWallet.org campaign, which, of course, is uh, a campaign to persuade Americans not to buy any product that's labeled Trump at retail outlets. And they've been pretty successful at it. There are people who are saying it's blackmailing uh, retailers. We'll talk to the founder of the Grab Your Wallet campaign. There's a, a counter campaign now underway as well with people saying that they're going to go and shop at competitors of the stores that are no longer carrying the Trump campaign. We'll get into all of that on the show. Uh, Dr. David Netkin will be with us, co-chair of the Muslim-Jewish Dialogue of Toronto, along with Tariq Khan, the, also the co-chair of the Muslim-Jewish Dialogue. That'll be next hour. And we have some more to talk about as far as Motion M103 is concerned. Both uh, Dr. David Nitkin and uh, Mr. Kahn take great exception to M103. And we'll open our phone lines to you as we did yesterday. There is a lot to talk about in this country. And it's not good enough for politicians to just provide us with a sound bite or a politically correct position. People need to talk to each other. And that's what we're going to do. But we're going to begin the show with part two of our conversation on opioids. Now, last week's hour pursued the issue of patients living with terrible chronic pain were fearful of being forced to live without their prescription opioid medications by intimidated doctors and cruel legislation. There's no other way to put it. There are some doctors who refuse, completely refuse, completely refuse, to prescribe opioids, even doctors who've prescribed them previously to patients they've had and have prescribed the opioids to. They just cut off the patients in some cases. Others, they try to wean them off the opioids. But for these patients, it's the only medication that provides them with even a modicum of relief. And one of our guests, and you're going to hear what she said, some of what she said to us last weekend, was Dr. Fiona Campbell. She's an anesthesiologist anesthesiologist at SickKids, and she's the president-elect of the Canadian Pain Society. And her concern is that if patients who live with severe chronic pain find themselves cut off of their opioids or medication that provides them with some level of relief that allows them to live their lives, 
the chain could be, and it is with people who have taken their own lives, the chain is pain, social isolation, depression, and suicide. So I decided a few weeks ago it's time to talk about the patient's perspective, the people who actually use the opioids, and there are many, there are, I don't know how many, a million or more in North America, I would guess, who are using opioids on a daily basis, and it provides them with sufficient pain relief to get them through their day. Now you take that away from them, and very negative things could happen. I'm going to read you a, a posting by uh, Dennis Prager. He's a radio talk show host in the United States, syndicated radio talk show host. And he posted a couple of days ago um, why my stepson's father killed himself. I'm going to read you that shortly. But I want you to listen to one of the doctors who is very much in the forefront of investigating opioids and uh, is consulting with governments on the appropriate way to deal with opioids and the opioid crisis we uh, we hear about. And it's Dr. David Yorlink. He was with us last weekend, head of the Division of Clinical Pharmacology and Toxicology at the University of Toronto. He's also, as I said, an advisor to governments on, on opioid policy. Here's a little bit of my conversation with Dr. Yorlink. I looked at um, a column you wrote in the Globe and Mail in 2016, Opioids, Whatever Happened to First Do No Harm. And, and you write, despite the best of intentions, we flooded North American homes with opioids purer and often stronger than heroin. These drugs increasingly fell into the wrong hands, destroying young lives and countless families in the process. Put a face to that for us, please. Well, I mean, there are many facets to this crisis, but one of the truths is that, um, you know, a lot of pain medicines ended up in medicine cabinets. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, not necessarily the patients themselves who... Well, many clearly were, um, but you know, a curious 17-year-old or 21-year-old, you know, would try the pills because they were there and they figured they'd be safe because they came from a pharmacy, and that sort of scenario, the sort of experimentation with, you know, what were seemingly innocuous pills from a drugstore, uh, for some people sent them down a pathway that uh, was very difficult to climb out of. Are there any numbers on how many people this would have happened to? How many cases of of real significant? health harm have taken place because of this scenario? Well, because of that specific scenario, no. I mean, we, we in Canada, we don't have very good stats on this. Um, I can tell you, you know, this is speculative, but somewhere in the vicinity of 25 or perhaps 30,000 people have died from opioids over the last 20 or so years. Um, that's going to include people who, you know, um, uh, were addicted and would have been addicted if doctors hadn't changed their prescribing practices as we have. Um, it includes people who, you know, developed addiction as the result of therapy. And it includes people like the like the teens and, and 20-somethings I described to you earlier. But we really don't know. That's just the tip of the iceberg. That's just a tombstone, as it were. There are many, many other ways these drugs can harm people. So is this a result of prescribed drugs or a result of a combination of prescribed opioids and opioids bought on street corners? That would be all comers. So that's going to be prescribed opioids used appropriately, prescribed opioids used inappropriately, and illicit drugs, heroin, fentanyl, and that kind of thing. All right. You, you wrote also in the column, another unfortunate truth is that even when our patients with chronic pain took these pills, as we instructed, we caused far more harm than we anticipated. Many, by some estimates, 10%, spiraled into addiction, even though we had told, been told this would only happen rarely. 
So even if that 10% number is accurate, and that's the big number, that means does that mean that 90% of the patients who are using opioids as they're supposed to, as it's prescribed, are doing just fine, and the opioids are doing for them what they're supposed to do, and that is keep the quality of life reasonable? No, it doesn't, because you've sort of the assumption there is actually sort of a tacit implication in what you suggested is people are either addicted or they're doing okay. Uh, and it's very, very important to understand that the that addiction is not uh, not nearly uh, the only harm that these drugs can cause. So there's a little bit of my conversation with uh, Dr. David Yerling, and we appreciate him coming on the program and speaking with us last weekend, the uh, head of the Division of Clinical Pharmacology and Toxicology at the University of Toronto. Dr. Fiona Campbell is the president-elect of the Canadian Pain Society, and anesthesiologist, I can't say that word, anesthesiologist, Almost takes me a second shot at sick kids, and she worries, as you'll hear, about a different scenario. We'll play that for you when we come back, and then I'm going to read you the posting by uh, Dennis Prager, and later on in the hour, you'll hear two people, two men from Ontario, who are living with really significant chronic pain issues and how their lives are developing. Stay with us.